All right, everybody, welcome back to the Precision Unloaded podcast. I'm here with Mark again, and this is episode six. Um, and we're actually trying to get a bit of a, a rhythm here and, and, and sort of poke a few out rather than just doing them quarterly like we previously did. Um, <laughs> good to be uh, talking over the internet again, Mark, instead of in real life. Um, yeah, don't have to look at you. <laughs> you been keeping busy? Although I've got a picture on the wall, so that's fine. <laughs> right, right next to the picture of Jacinda. <laughs> How do you know that? <coughs> I've been to your house. Oh yeah, fair enough. I- anyway, 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 what have you been up to, mate? Ah, uh, no, busy. Just been away deer shooting. So, um, and yeah, it's weird to chat about that. But um, just come back today. Got a couple, um, missed a few, uh, but they're in the chiller, so that's good. Um, yeah. So, what about yourself? Uh, back at work, um, which is awesome. Yeah, it's stinking hot and we haven't got bugger all on, so it's just sort of hanging out. But uh, doing a bit of shooting, uh, been shooting a few milsurps these last few days. Um, some have gone well, some have not, but that's a, a topic for another day. Uh, we spent a couple of days out at your place recently um, with some of the guys, Jeff from the gun rack and Carl and a few other codgers and did a bit of 1,000 metre work um, in between the rain and the, and the fog. Um, that was that was good fun, but yeah, we won't get too far into that. Um, yeah, and then yeah, just plinking with a bunch of guns and setting up loads, different things, and um, and, and I'm slowly working on putting together a, a, a rifle for my wife. Um, but yeah, so plenty going on. Um, that's yeah. for sure. I think we'll touch on that one K day we had. Just a, <coughs> uh, got a mate of mine shooting his thirty oh six out to a K, so that was pretty good. Um, second round impact too yes using a vx5 scope um and we dialed it back and worked out where he had to aim because it's just got a standard duplex reticle so yes well so we're going to touch more on the, the vx5 as the main topic later yep. on but um yep yep so because there are two turn turrets so it only gives you two turns which is about 40 moa and has topped out at yeah. 32 um due to him not having a 20 minute rail no yes yeah, so so mark did a bit of magic and worked out um at at what uh, magnification the from the crosshair to the duplex thickening um gave him the remaining moa needed and yeah it worked very well um Pretty cool, actually, the sort of things you can do with these modern apps. And the people who are um, there watching think you're a genius. Um, but in fact, it's, it's just five minutes on the little computer. But um, yeah, he was pretty stoked to, to hit the target, wasn't he? Until the end of the day when his scope started sliding backwards. And, <laughs> yes. and we realised the whole thing had come loose. Uh, yeah. Which I must say has never happened to me. But I've seen it a few times now. So we had to re-zero it. And, yeah. So anyway. It, it, it is an ongoing issue um, as people, it's just with bipods and rings and everything, they spend a couple grand on a rifle, a couple grand on a, an optic, and then they'll um, put on $60 rings or something in a yeah, $10 bipod. Standard take um, what are they, OptiLock type? Uh, no, they, they were something. They were, yeah. Didn't have a lot of bolts in them. No, it's single, anyway. Single hex lock. Yep. And then um, shot the 224. Oh yes, the Valkyrie. With, it was um, and not too hard. No, even that, in the wind. That was using sixty grain Vmaxes, which go about three thousand two hundred and twenty feet per second, I think, in that barrel. Yes, so, and they've got the the ballistic coefficient of a potato, so it was actually quite cool to see them. Um, yeah, 
getting on so easy, actually. Someone shot all my ELDMs at goats, but anyway. I don't know. Hey? <laughs> yes. Yeah, yes. I, I will load you some more. We'll get we'll get there. These things take time. No, but some, but yeah. some more soon. <coughs> Ammo sitting in waiting for me, so that's good to go. Oh, that's good. All right. <clears throat> Onward. Uh so yeah. My deer hunt, I'll just I'll touch on the uh so I took my thirty thirty. It's a it's a pine forest hunting fellow. And last time I took a I didn't I hadn't been there before, so I took a yeah, my <coughs> long range rig while long, you know, hunting gun. And it really, I was shooting everything at 12 meters, so I thought oh, well, I'll take the 3030 with the loophole red dot sight. So the mm-hmm. RDS, Freedom RDS. Um, is that a, is that just a straight one power? It's no, yeah, yep. Yeah. Uh, okay, yeah. Zero mag. Yep, zero yep. magnification. Um, it's got mounted quite forward, but like a um, scout position. So yeah, no, it was good. I mean, most of the shots, you know, if, I had to take them, would have been 140 metres at the most. So, But the only thing I found was just using a straight red dot is that assessing what something was or looking, having a close look at stuff, meant carrying my rangefinder to use the bi- yeah, a binocular. Mm-hmm. binocular. So, um, so in the end, I thought probably ideally switching over to my LPVO, so a 1 to 4, 1 to 6, 1 to 8 on the 3030 would probably be better. Just for you know, going from real short range to maybe two hundred meters at the most in those in that sort of condition. So yeah, yeah, and, and that'd be sort of the practical limits of thirty thirty anyway, wouldn't it? So yeah, be quite handy having that extra distance. As I found shooting it in a Torado shoot, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I couldn't get much. Well, much luck past um, two hundred and something. So uh, yeah, so that, you know that this. Red dot sight worked well. Um, I just found if you were shooting in low light and you had a light in the background, it was a bit of an issue. It's not, not the best optically to look through in low light, which is a bit of a pain. So, mm-hmm. yeah. But, uh, yeah. So, that, the rifle's great. Love it. The Marlin 336. Yeah. Um, it's very, very good looking rifle, isn't it? Yeah. And it's a forward, front forward suppressor, barrel forward. Um, it's quite nice, easy to shoot, cycles well, so yeah, that worked perfectly. So. All right, on to the main. No, that's cool. So, so what did you come home with? What two, three did? Oh yeah, so uh, came home with two, um, mm-hmm. and missed a couple. Um, yeah, saw about twenty something, but in pine forests, they're often hightailing it by the time you've even. Yeah, so it's quite, you know, a lot of patience required, which I probably didn't have this week. So, yeah, I am. Um, I've never shot a deer in the pine forest. I've shot them on the edge, but I've I've never been able to get one in the pine forest. Yeah, no, um, I had two today when I this morning when we were out that basically just roared in front of me, um, coming up the track towards me almost, and then ducked off. You know, they were just yeah flying around. So. Oh, good. Anyway, the main topic for. Uh, this evening's um, podcast is crossover rifles. Um, it's been a bit of a topic uh, leading on from our last one um, in regards to hunter-style events. Um, and it's also an interesting one because a lot of guys um, don't have the resources or don't want to 
um, build multiple rifles for hunting and uh, field shooting competitions. So we thought we'd talk about it. Um, I'm actually going to build one in the next few months. Um, I've done a bit of a poll, kind of, on my technical long range shooting page um, on a calibre, but we'll, we'll, we'll touch on that. So the sort of premise for this is obviously, again, you you can shoot um, a red deer with it, say, or a, um, a pig or a goat or whatever comfortably and carry it all day-ish and then um, take it to a field shoot the next weekend and be relatively competitive with it um, as long as you know what you're doing. So you're aiming for so, a Goldilocks rifle then, so not too heavy, not too light. Uh, so dual purpose, double duty. Yep, one rifle to sort of cover off all your needs for that. Generally, if you go to a, a precision rifle, they're either very heavy or yes, cumbersome. Yeah. Okay. No. And and they don't necessarily need to be. So it, it's an interesting topic. Um, I don't have anything specifically set up. I've just put together a, a rig for my wife that I'll talk about. But um, so I thought. The idea is that it's sub five kilos, right? So, what's that? Just eleven pounds or something. So, thereabouts. So, let's say around around ten pounds, five kilos, ten pounds, whatever. Math ain't perfect, yeah, but eleven, eleven. Yeah. yeah. So, we're going to talk about obviously caliber choice to do both, um, and again, it's depending what region you live in, what you hunt, what you, you, you know, what your everyday sort of um, requirement is, and then. Uh, so you can hunt, say, a red deer with it, and then you can also shoot, say, accurately on steel, 700 metres, a medium sort of range um, in a competition. So we're not worried about energy on target at 700 metres because that's just an ideal. But um, we're going to go over um, maybe like stocks or chassis or, or crossover sort of setups and that you can get now. Um, optics, um, sort of the, you know, a lot of like a Vortex Razor is heavy as all buggery um so we can talk about sort of sub um you know sub one kilo even lighter um optics uh, we've got a few weights written down and it, this ain't necessarily stuff we have but we do have several of them and have used them quite a lot um so we're not just pulling um our opinions out of um, thin air at least we hope um and we're going to go over brakes or suppressors we already both know what we're going to say there um yeah, so I guess maybe the first thing we could talk about is caliber. Yeah, go with um, that. The, 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 the question that um, roused people up like you wouldn't believe. Um, so so what what do you think for caliber? So say being that we're based in Taranaki, a majority of our game we shoot as goats, pigs, and fallow deer. Yeah. What would you choose? Well, I'd probably start at the narrow end, two, four, three. 7 millimeter mm-hmm. would be not definitely an option. A lot of guns chambered in that get sold still um, for your New Zealand shooting sort of in our conditions. Uh, yep. 308. Um, and then you've got 260 Remington, um, which has got some popularity. And it's a good, good choice, but obviously then the RSAT 6.5 Creedmoor. So end of the day, given the rifles are currently in competition-wise and shooting, I'd probably go with a 6.5 Creedmoor. Um, yep. It's now got a fair bit of ammunition choice and all that sort of thing for off-the-shelf factory stuff, so if you're travelling around hunting. So 
Um, what else? I mean, obviously, maybe six millimeter Creedmoor, but it's pretty new. So, yeah, yeah, so that's yeah. my thoughts. I'm not going obviously Magnum caliber. So, no, I think we sort of just eliminate, um, keep it in that short action. Yeah, uh, for the purposes of this conversation. Um, for what we're trying to achieve. Again, if people have other thoughts on that, that's fine. Um, for me, uh, I'm gonna I'm not gonna go six five Creedmoor purely because that's what everyone will, will assume and rightly so that's what I would choose. But um I, like you say, yeah, your minimum for me would be two four three, uh with like a ninety five grain projectile or something along those lines. Yeah. That can that can be used for both um target and um game applications uh you got your uh, 308 is the old classic um but being that this we're going for a slightly lighter rifle ish i'd probably go with a seven millimeter 08 um just to bring that recoil down a little bit yeah um yeah good and so you've got excellent projectile choices um high bc bullets um you know seven millimeter is proven on game and it's proven for accuracy so yeah, I'd, I'd probably go down the seven millimeter 08 path, but like you mentioned, uh, two sixty is a good choice. Six five Creedmoor, for the sake of conversation, that they do the same thing. Um, you're going to be able to get Creed yeah. everywhere, whereas yeah. two sixty that's not happening. Um, like God, they the select. I've got maybe six or seven different types of six five Creedmoor in my cabinet, just stuff that I've tried and hasn't worked or haven't been happy with it. So it's just half boxes. I've got all sorts of stuff. Um, uh, and I, I guess one thing that I'm going to sort of stick with is that I, uh, caliber choice anyway that like you say I could buy it as, as factory ammo rather than some wildcat or specialty hand load I just want to be able to go and buy Precision Hunter or Sarko um, the game head stuff yeah. and, and and just get on, on with it rather than um, sort of playing mad scientist and making something so so what projectile would you go with for um, a practical field shoot in 708? Would it be a... What's the LDX? No? Uh, yeah, I'd probably go with the either the 150 ELD or the oh, yeah. uh, the 162 maybe. And now you're losing a little bit of velocity going to 162, but it's, you've got a bit more bullet weight for game and you've got the high BC for steel. Yeah. So sort of reaching out and touching that steel. So I'd be... Now, I'm a, I'm a Hornaday guy. It's, um, it's no secret... Uh, they work they're cost effective it's, it, well it's not you know like I try other things I've been playing with Sierras lately and haven't had a lot of luck so yeah. um, uh, I've shot a lot of game with Hornaday and they pretty well perform everything's coming out with big holes in it so yeah um, yeah so I'd, I'd be ooh, to be honest I'd probably be playing in that maybe even that 150 grain bullet weight just to keep um, the recoil down a little bit more yeah yeah um, yeah, yeah, recall management would be an important part of this. And, and I probably am, I am going to do a 7mm like at some point, possibly soon. So um, it's it's a good good topic because uh, it's not just hypothetical. So, yeah, probably a 150 ELDX okay. would be what I'd go with. Yep. No, it's, it's, yeah, the weight optimization is important. I started in a, uh, a Ruger American 308 the other week for someone in. Um, I just he was firing was it um, one sixty five grain SSTs. Yep, it was, and it was suppressed. And I found the recoil not that great. Yeah, pretty bad, relatively. It's a very light gun, I think. To well, yeah, lightish. 
yeah, it just surprised me. It felt worse than my T70 in that sort of range. When when other normal T3 stock on my 270, yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, that, that's a good point. So those Ruger Americans actually not a bad choice for this um, this, yeah. this scenario, um, but they are relatively light. They've got a sort of super lightweight, not, not super lightweight, but a, a quite a basic plastic stock on them that hasn't got a lot of uh, features, but it, there's not a lot to it. So yeah, yeah, and, and that the the barrels are a light profile. And you like you say shooting a one six five, it's going to push you around, even suppressed. Yeah. Um, and I don't think the barrels are particularly long on them either. No, they're not. I don't recall, but yeah. So that's a good point. And actually, something I haven't wrote, I haven't written down here is um, is, is factory offerings for rifles. Um, so, so I'll run through some. We've sort of covered off. Yeah. So what what do you, what do you reckon? So if, if I was going to go down to my local um, yep. firearms retailer and and pick something off the shelf or, or order it in, um, yes. what could I get? Yeah. As you may know by now, Graham is uh, build your own um, from components sometimes, and I'm, I'm more <laughs> yeah. of a what's on the shelf, make sure you do a good rifle out of the box type of job. So um, I guess in the more commonly available rifles, I went straight away, and this is around, we're talking about our dual-purpose rifle, having a 10-round mag, practical shooting competitions and that is crucial so straight away a Tika CTR um, mm-hmm. three, three and a half kilos rifle base weight um, and they come with a 10 round mag the awfully cheap being sarcastic um, Tika mag that's in my <laughs> T3X TAC A1 um, so there you've got that and I, that's probably one of the more commonly available um, so so before you move on from that, that so yeah. that now that comes with a rail Correct. doesn't it included yep, it does. but it's zero moa uh no i think they're, oh. now, they're now 20 i'm pretty sure so have they swapped them okay that'd be a good decision but so if so you're already getting this reasonably light-ish rifle that can handle um say yeah strings of fire more than two or three shots um and it's already including a rail in that weight so it's one less thing you have to worry about bolting onto the gun yeah so that, that's that's good, and if, again, if they are in fact now doing twenty minute rails, um, yeah. that's a huge step up. Anyway, what's the next? Uh, next uh, option? So then you got okay. Then I'll probably go to something more recently on the market, which is obviously aimed in this uh, area. Is the Sarco S twenty? So mm-hmm. they range from three point three to four kilos, um, depending on the configuration. I'm assuming. So you got the the Hunter thumbhole stock, and then the PRS type stock. Yeah. So. I mean, uh, what, three grand? So um, stepping up a bit in price, but, you know, it, it's it's a definite one to look at. Um, and it has, they have a proprietary 10-round magazine system, don't they? Correct, yeah. See, this is cool. So they've actually, because this gun is aimed exactly at what we're talking about, they've actually thought it through and they're going, these, you got a five-round in, in the hills and you got a 10-round in, yep. yeah, in the field or on the range. So, yeah. Listening to the the clients and getting it done, yeah. Yeah, and that's like with uh, like a Browning Morale straight pull, which um, is basically a gasless BAR. Um, they come with four and nine round mags, you know, two, what two different mags come in the box. So you got that yep. more of a, um, yeah, two different configurations. I think the Sarko's S20 is the same. You get five round or ten round. So and I yep. think, I'm not sure, I'll just check. Um, then obviously that goes across to a, a similar concept, which is the Hardy Hybrid, um, which we've seen at competitions and that sort of thing. So, and designed around 
a lightweight dual duty type rifle, isn't it? So with with the um the advantage if you went say with a hybrid. Obviously, that's again another step up in price, twice yes. as much as Sarko. Yeah. Again, depending on what uh, fruit you want with it. Yeah. But you could. It's kind of on topic, off topic, but you could get the hybrid, which we know are accurate. We've had our asses kicked by them in competitions a bunch now. Yeah. Well, well, you haven't. I have. And um, uh, you could so you could uh, hunt with one caliber, so you could go to a long action cartridge. Yeah. Um, for hunting, and then. You put your say six five Creedmoor barrel on for field uh, field shooting or PRS stock competitions. So there is a big advantage there, being that you can switch barrels. Yep. Um, to God, they can offer a lot of options. You know, I, some guys have got like a six five PS, a three hundred PSC, and then they've got a six yep. mil Creedmoor. So, right. um, so then, <clears throat> yeah, just move, I'll, I'll run through some more. So then I get into more well, less commonly available types. So maybe not the Howard Oryx chassis rifles. So they're a PRS type chassis system on a Howard mini action or standard action, um, but they're not light, probably. And I haven't got the full weight. I know the chassis itself is four point two pounds, but yeah, I've I've got several, yeah, um, in both the mini action and the short action, yeah. And yeah, they're not particularly light setups. Uh, albeit, I've got um, like sort of heavy barreled um, rifles in them. But it is in the range where you, you could carry it around hunting. Um, the chassis is clean enough that it's not bad for lugging around in terms of getting snagged or that sort of thing. Um, yep. Then if I go like a Ruger Hawkeye long-range target, they start at five kilos, so that's sort of probably scratching them. But they have bigger mags, that sort of thing, so it sort of puts it in the ballpark. See, I'd probably like with um, being that it, say like it's not going to be a switch barrel so no. for me it's not going to be the hardy i can't afford it right so i'm going to want the barrel to do both so i'm probably not going to want a long barrel i'm going to want to be around a 20 inch um yeah let it bring the barrel so if they do them yeah so that's obviously it's weight but also um it makes it more handy um easier to manipulate springs, um, in competition and in the field which makes you similar weight probably a less likely target choice because on, on a off the shelf rifle because most of them will be you'll see that either they'll be 243 308 6.5 as a rough base offering for start in that action yeah so like yeah. But, but but as soon as you go to 308 you often get a shorter barrel straight away and less weight therefore so yes and, and also 308 um it seems to be forgiving of shorter barrels albeit um like leon he runs a 18 inch um millimeter weight it's um it's it's deadly so yeah, yeah again but i i think for me it'd be a around around i don't know, 22 inches isn't gonna bother me but um i've got a lot of i've got a lot of 26 inch barrel guns and i'm wondering now if in most cases when we're only shooting a 700 um if it's a little bit long just because it makes the rifle a bit less balanced but anyway that's that's Start off topic kind of but then but uh, then next up, we've got like the Daniel Defense Delta Five bolt action. So they um, are reasonably split four point three kilos sort of thing coming in. Um, they are in the available in the there are some floating around, so they do exist. No, but yes, they are. I'm all going well. I will have one in a month or two to play with. Right, I look forward to that. Um, and, um, well, well, whether it happens, we'll see. But it, yeah, I've been told it will happen. Um, 
that'll be cool. I, I imagine it'll come in in six five Creed more, but we'll actually be able to test out the theory, do a bit of hunting, and a yep. bit of precision shooting with it. Yep. Um, then you got something yeah. like an X Bolt Max long range. No idea if they're in the country, but three point seven kilos. Um, they have more of a um, vertical foregrip type setup on them. Um, mm-hmm. Then I've, the one I do like a lot is the Christensen Arms MPR carbon fox yeah. barreled, and they come in at three point eight kilos starting weight, so they're right up there. I mean, obviously price wise, they're a bit over four grand, I think. So mm-hmm. uh, I do like them as a as a crossover choice to a type of rifle because they've done a lot in weight saving but still retained um a precision sort of stock so i, I think yeah i i've never sh- i've shot some of christensen arms um sort of magnum hunting options they're yeah. uh the less precision rifle style stuff yeah. albeit extremely accurate but just more convention yeah yeah sorry mountain rifles perfect way of explaining it um when i say some i've shot one that's <laughs> nice um 28 nosler um yeah yeah it's a weapon but anyway um, I haven't shot the uh, any of their uh, more tactical styled options. Uh, hopefully, we can change that at some point. Um, but like you say, they look accurate enough, and from what everything I read, they they should do do the work you want them to do. And they have the advantage too of taking AI pattern mags. I think they do anyway. I'm pretty sure. So you're not having to buy expensive proprietary Tika or Sarko mags. You just ring up TDI or the gun rack and you just order a couple MDTs for like a hundred bucks each and yeah uh, you know like you can get three AI style mags to one TK mag there you are that's the thing yeah uh, <laughs> yeah so, that, um, so that's an exhaustive yeah. list but um, on, on the horizon which may never come here or who knows there's something like the SIG SAR Cross the SIG Cross rifle um, mm-hmm. which is designed around a lighter weight shorter barrel type offering so it does tick a lot of the boxes um folding stock if the barrel length is long enough for our use in new zealand for minimum length um and then uh, very new on the scenes the springfield armory waypoint which is i'd probably leave it for a while to see how it goes it's got an interesting carbon fiber barrel setup um i'm not even sure we have an importer (laughs) I doubt it, but anyway. I guess 556 five, or someone will bring them in if, we if, try, we, if anyone does. If we try hard enough, we'll get one eventually. Yeah, <laughs> if we keep r- talking about it. Yes, yeah, yeah. Someone will come up. Mm. One of our eight listeners yeah. will come to the party. <laughs> All right, so that, that's obviously not an exhaustive list. People say, what about this, what about that? I mean, obviously yeah. it's um, Remington 700 style actions. Um, same with this one. Yep. I think something to touch on would be maybe um, so what we've talked about so far is um, is like you say pre pre ready to go stuff right off the shelf yeah off the shelf so you don't so you could just run a factory Tika like a T3X or a Howa 1500 um, yes there are improvements you could make and I guess that's we will cover off but don't think you have to run you know, straight away have 10 round mags. Okay. Like you say, you can get a Tika T3X and run a Lucky 13 detachable banana mag looking things um, and, and keep the factory stock, which is very light for what it is. Yeah. Um, and just, just go up to the five round mag for each each one. Yeah. 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 And so and so, so you, there is that side of things too. Um, and and don't, don't be like disheartened or think you can't come to a competition because you've only got five round mags. If you've got one of them, two of them, you'll be fine. But, um, 
Is there anything else you want to touch on off the shelf before I interrupted you? No, no, that's sort of uh, as a broader thing as I can get on, on what's out there. Um, there's still a few other, yeah, off the shelf ones, but they're a bit more, um, and once again, getting even more rare and unavailable in terms of yeah. a lot of them. So. Actually, something that would be worth touching on, uh, it's not here yet. Um, it's very, people don't even really know about it yet, but um, being that I have a relationship with the importer, I sort of get a little bit of um, stuff sent through. Then uh, this new year, there will be a whole range of Howa carbon fibre setups coming in. Um, okay. So, so these could be potentially off the shelf, maybe barring a magazine change, options also for a lighter weight um, gun that you don't swap all the components out on. Um, I'm not sure of calibers. I'm, I imagine it's sort of aimed at um, you have your 308, 6.5 cream, or possibly a few PRCs option in, in, in the long actions, maybe. But um, that's something else to look out for. Also, Sour do uh, it's called an X, XRC, Sour XRC, uh, C standard for carbon. Uh, so that's got sort of a thumb hole, semi pistol grip type stock, um, and that's available. It's, that's even available in 6XC, which is like a really cool little 6mm for um, precision shooting. But then it's 6.5 Creed and all, all the standard stuff as well. So there are a few other options that are just a little bit, I'm not going to say they're less known, but it's um, they're just sort of a bit new and we, and we haven't seen a lot of them here in the country yet. Um, in, in fact, all going well, I'll be shooting a few sows coming year. Probably remiss of me not to mention, which I forgot, is um, Bergara. Yes. Now I have Be- the Bagara crossover rifle. You do, the old faithful. Old faithful, but I would say too, weight, too heavy. Too heavy. Yeah. Too much weight. So it's, it's got a quite a reasonable barrel on it, which is really nice for what my intended use of the rifle is. Um, but I've carried that up Bowers Gully at the back of your farm a few times now. Yeah. And it um I'd rather not. I'd rather take something just a little bit lighter. Yeah. Um but it's oh, it's tolerable weight. Oh yes, yes. And, and to be honest, I'm like currently trying to get a lot fitter. So maybe when I'm fitter, it will be nice. But uh, <laughs> but I'd prefer to be a bit under that. Also, like the, the optic I had on it wasn't exactly lightweight. Um, so and a big suppressor. So, um, but yeah, Bagara. They also do the the other B14 range. They have um, got it's quite a big range actually. So that's worth looking into. Especially if you do like Remington uh, footprints, um, it's kind of that they build what Remington should essentially. Um, yeah, hence why Remington is nearly extinct. Um, so I think that covers most of the sort of sorry, most some of the off the shelf offerings. Yeah. Um, obviously, you, most of them you select a bolt, uh, either some tally rings if you didn't want a rail or a rail, and then uh, other accessories. But as for um, sort of putting stuff together which is more how the route I'd go down. So what I normally do is I'll buy a barreled action or a gun that's sort of got a hunting stock on it and then I'll throw the stock away and I'll I'll put a chassis or a stock or a crossover sort of um, option on it. Um, Fasking around your dumpster then for old stocks. I've, I've got to, I've just moved them all out. I've got heaps of them. What do you want? <laughs> uh, to the point, like the beauty of Howard, if you want Howards, you can buy nearly all the Howard um, options just as barreled actions. So right. you don't, so most Howards come with a Hogue stock, 
uh, and for people experienced with them, they're quite a um, flexible stock. They can be stiffened with a bit of effort, but people don't want to put the effort in. So I don't bother buying the hoax stock. It's not what I need. Um, so all that would happen is I'd have probably like 14 hoag stocks lying around in my shed that I, I'd never use and, and don't have a lot of resale value. So in the how, how, case of how I buy the barrel actions. But um, yeah. what has been interesting me lately is some of the, like I mentioned earlier, offering some sour. Um, and just in the fact I want to try a few different rifles, but uh, Europeans seem to make a pretty good gun. So so anyway, I'm, I'm going to buy sour in the next few months probably, but that's neither here nor there for this conversation. Yeah. But... Tikas, so I've just put together a Tika for my wife. Uh, it's going to get a new um, uh, stock soon. I'm just going to save a bit of coin. But that's a, just a standard Tika T3. So this is one of the older ones, uh, not the T3X. Uh, I've, I've got a stock that someone's done a magazine conversion with the Atlas Metal uh, Atlas Metalworks bottom, yep. Atlas Works, whatever it's called. But this converts it to take 10-round MDT mags. So... Um, if, if the idea being if uh, my lovely wife is hunting, she can use just a five-round uh, mag that I have, same pattern. And then when it comes to field shoots, she's got uh, a couple of tens. So it's just a factory configuration stock, uh, nothing fancy, but we can now put the 10-round mags in. Uh, I've put a um, 20 MOA rail on it and then an Athlon 6-24 by 50 uh, Midas tax scope. Uh, not a particularly good optic, uh, but at seven eight hundred meters, it's fine. Just yeah. out past the K, it gets a little bit grainy, I find. But um, it's probably just scraping in under the weight limit without weighing it. Uh, yeah, so so, but, so that's taking just a sort of standard gun and doing um, rifle, I should say, and doing a few hundred dollars worth of modifications, and now it's quite serviceable for practical field shooting or hunting like we're talking about so so this one's chambered in 260 remington which yep. is um just like we talked about earlier it's just expensive 65 creed uh, it's very accurate um the only trouble with teakers is they have notoriously slow barrels so they usually like 50 or 100 feet per second slower than their uh, counterparts from remington or saco or whatever don't know why it's just the way it is um so it's not particularly fast um, but it's it's good it's handy and it's reasonably lightweight which is key for her because she's first of all she's not a fan of chassis uh, but she's also not a fan of heavy guns she, she doesn't want to hold up a heavy gun all day so um so that's what we've put together for now um but what i am going to do is get a one of the synthetic offerings from grs uh she's been shooting the um grs wag stock a bit but they're quite pricey so we're going to come back to sort of the um I, I, the model number ex, uh, model escapes me, but it's it's like the WAG, uh, but just fully synthetic rather than having an aluminium forend. Yeah, and yeah, and I'll just get a new suppressor for it, and she'll be good to go. And then in the future, we'll upgrade the um, the optic to something. Uh, I don't know what the yet, but but so this is just a basic sort of it's an, essentially a hunting rifle I had, and like I said, a few mods, and now. Um, it could be used competitively in competition and you could shoot a deal with it half an hour after the competition finishes. Okay. Mm. All right. So then <clears throat> outside of that, what would you go in terms of starting a build? Where would you look to? I mean, obviously we've talked about in the past the MDT LSS Gen 2. 
as a chassis option. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, of all of MDT's offerings, it's my least favourite. Now, I do have one on my 22. But it is lighter. Uh, but it, yes, exactly. So it's lighter, and, and it's lighter because it has such a short forend. Um, but again, if, if we're trying to come under a weight limit here, yes, if I, was, if I was putting together an MDT, it would be the LSS Gen 2. And then with one of their carbine stocks, they I think they do a um, half aluminium, half um, polymer type one. And now it's not your junky AR-15 uh, uh, Wrigley bugger. It's quite a sturdy unit. I've, I've handled a few of them. Uh, so I'd go with something like that. And then, yeah, and I'll just chuck a taker or a howler uh, in it. Um, and I'll be good to go, really. And you'd come well under your weight. Now, like I said, you're going to be lighter with your factory ticker stock, but these aluminium chassis are going to give you an advantage with accuracy. Yeah. And a few options to bolt on, uh, like um, M-lock slings and all these things. Uh, yeah, so that would be a really good option chassis-wise because, like, a lot of chassis are quite big and heavy as the um, precision rifle game slowly heads towards like a tactical bench rest so everyone's guns are getting way too heavy in my opinion yeah. including my own um so if we're trying to keep it light for an aluminium chassis i would choose the lss okay. as we just talked about i did have a hunt around and found that you can get magnesium chassis um i'm assuming they start out high prices but it talks about basically having an entire chassis including buttstock and forend if it's carbon fiber of 800 grams so, mm-hmm. and then if you go even crazier, you can get like a 3D printed titanium hand grip, which weighs 28 grams, which is next to nothing. So, um, but that, that's sort of, you know, if you want a chassis, um, that sort of is the ultra light that they, they are sort of being produced or developed. So, yeah. I imagine, like you say, that cost would be prohibitive. Yeah, astronomical. Um, so, so, so where we can go from this is uh, sort of crossover type um, deals, which are yeah. uh, essentially a stock with a um, more vertical uh, inbuilt pistol grip design. Yeah. And then, um, if you're lucky, adjustable um, uh, comb height, uh, which is even on a hunting gun is a big plus for me, especially with some of the optics we run, um, yeah. especially... One good option I really like, um, I don't own one, but I really like them. It's made by Ken Henderson. What's his carbon fiber company called? Tech Composites, maybe? Right. I probably got that wrong. Um, but they do a, they call it the PRS. Now, we don't actually have PRS here in New Zealand. If we use that term, we get sued by the Americans. But um, it's a style for field, practical field style shooting, I guess. And uh, it's carbon fiber. Uh, it's got the 90 degree pistol grip built in and it has an adjustable um, comb height. So you, you're getting all the advantages of most of the advantages of a big aluminium chassis and a lightweight um, carbon fiber offering that would, would suit the mountains a lot better. Yeah. Um, or the Ruahinis or wherever. Um, so it's definitely somewhere odd look would be that carbon fiber sort of area um, and they're not particularly expensive now I think his ones they also come with bedding blocks so you, it's not as if you get this carbon fiber um, stock and you have to either bed it yourself or send it away to a smith to, to bed it and 
you go through all that rigmarole. So some of these New Zealand-made offerings are now now have aluminium bedding blocks so you can just order one for your tika left hand or right hand whatever and um, bolt the bugger straight in and zero and start shooting so big advantage there not having to bet it that's for sure yeah yeah you're starting to lose me there because i'm going back <laughs> off the shelf factory again um, <laughs> complexity yeah. included more than two screws being undone so well, that's, that's what i mean eh? and and Yes, there's more time you're not shooting. Um, and then I just I think just, of one more. I just can't with Yeah, I was thinking of um, the predecessor, I suppose, to the um, Sarko S20 was the um, Sarko Black Wolf and Carbon Wolf. So they yep. have adjustable comb height, push button, and also length of pull sort of thing. Uh, they have a more vertical foregrip sort of thing. So they do look a lot like the, the Bagara sort of look to them. The, the, yeah, the B14, like your one. Uh, yep. But once again, they never really came here. I've seen one on Trade Me, but um, and obviously the the Carbon Wolves are um, yeah probably started at six grand or something. But <clears throat> I'm not sure. Yeah, but a Moolah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, oh, actually, what one well, I was thinking of is, as I mentioned before with uh, the, the the rifle I'm putting together for my wife as the GRS offerings. Uh, they obviously they did the laminate, but they do a bunch of. Um, I think they're like a fiberglass polymer blend. It's something odd. Uh, they're quite neat. Um, and, and a lot of them, not the WAG or the Ragnarok, you know, those high-end options, but a lot of them are a $7,000 option also. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's still a lot of money, but it's not compared to uh, some things we buy. So that's another good one to look at is your barrel action of choice and then an offering from um, GRS. Now, the beauty of the GRS is they've got adjustable length of pull, comb height. Um, the, the higher-end models have adjustable um, height for your butt pad and tilt for your butt pad if, you're, uh, if, you, if you want those options. But how the, the hand is, um, the pistol grip is formed, it forces your hand into a good um, position for good, as long you know, you can practice good trigger control, holding the rifle the same every time. Um, it's sort of, it, it reminds me of small bore rifles. Um, a lot of guys would have shot small bore growing up at high school or or after. Um, and the more um, shivers, nearly all the small bore rifles I've ever used, even the older BSAs and Anschultzes have molded hand grips to, to force um, trigger control. So, I don't mind it. Now, the only issue being that is if you're right-handed and you, your mate's left-handed, there's no real practical way he can use your rifle. Um, but to be honest, if you're left-handed, the world's against you anyway, so it's just like, but there is left-handed options. But again, you, you, you can't trade rifles with your friend for the day if he is um, left-handed, but that's a small problem anyway. Um, yeah. But they're, they're a really good option. Um, I, I don't have a lot of experience with them until now, but... I am quite enjoying them. Well, a good option for a left-hander would be a Savage Impulse, which is a straight pull. But um, oh, we're bringing up the Impulse already. I just thought I'd bring up something which is going to be a million miles away from me being here. So, <laughs> just to, but it's actually quite an interesting. Con I've had a look at a couple of videos. So, um, being a straight pull, you can swap the bolt from side to side, um, and it's looks like it's not spring loaded or anything like the the browning morales are so 
it's basically a straight pull back and locking in with some cams type thing so yeah yeah um will be an interesting accurate stocks all that sort of drama so all right I'll just a quick question i have now is would you go a pick rail by default on this rifle i think doesn't it make it easier for a dual purpose rifle swapping thing as in for mounting the optic yeah well you know if you're gonna unmount and remount or if you if it is doing double duty wouldn't a pick rail just give you that little bit of added flexibility rather than using now, if weight was the issue, like if I, was, if I was struggling to keep it into my weight limit and I went with a heavier scope, I'd yeah. be um, leaning towards some tallies okay. with 20 minutes of angle built into them. Yep. Um, now, the, the biggest thing is this, is this um, sort of long-running myth in New Zealand uh, that you have to have your scope as close to the bore as possible or you won't be able to zero it. And it's just a load of rubbish. Now, the... the there's a couple reasons I've come up with why we always used to run as lower rings as possible. One is we never had adjustable comb height. We do now, so that's out of it. The second advantage I see to having a very low scope to bore axes is that close range shots on animals' uh, heads is much simpler. So if you have 50 millimeters from your uh, center of your optic to the center of your barrel, if you aim at a deer's brain at 10 meters, you'll shoot its jaw off. It's the mechanical offset, right? Because your barrel is lower than the scope. So by mounting it, say, at 25 millimetres or whatever, theoretical, um, you're probably going to aim at the brain and just maybe skim the bottom of it. I don't know. But a um, of a brain floating through the air that you shoot. <laughs> Look, there's a deer's brain. <laughs> but but yeah, so this, this is the issue, right? Because a lot of hunters shoot stuff in the head at close range yep. you know quick target of opportunity and they shoot its jaw off so uh, having that lower um, bore scope height is an advantage there now really it's just something you should practice what does my gun do at 10 meters but anyway that's that's not the topic um no no I so, but, it's something i find you have to remind yourself of and do a bit of it's just practice um to a degree is understanding that the difference at short range um Yep, bottom line, 100%. If, the scope, if the scope's mounted higher, you have a longer maximum point blank range anyway. So, um, yeah, and this is also another another question I get asked uh, again and again and again uh, through the answering. various social media stuff. Um, as so, we'll, we might have a have a rifle and we just um, we're keen to shoot it, so we just put a donor scope on it, right? And the rings we've got on it are high. But be that we've got a adjustable cheek rest, it doesn't matter. Uh, and the biggest thing is, I get is, you won't be able to zero that rifle with 100 meters. I'm like, no, I can. This is easy. It's fine. But if you have high rings, you will still be able to adjust your scope at 100 meters, even with a pick rail underneath it, adding another eight mil or 10 mil of height. So, yeah, um, it's just, <sighs> yeah, it's just myths and 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 myths information. Trust me. I do it a lot. It's uh, that Valdata I got on the 308. I, so many people thought I had like a 600 meter zero on it. Um, but it was 100 meters. You were there when I zeroed it. It was um, yeah. a piece of piss. But uh, and that was just provided with the tall rings. It was just what came with it. And there's not a lot of options when it comes to 40 millimeter okay. um, rings. So, but yeah, anyway, that's enough a, rambling. That's a good segue into 
the optics. So optics, my favourite part. Well, the, the most important part, maybe. The most expensive part too. Could be. <clears throat> Could be. Depends <laughs> if you go Tesco or Nico Stealing. <laughs> All right, so I I actually think Nick, Nico Stealing does some kind of okay scopes now. They're higher end stuff, but um, is someone holding? In fact, I'll, I'll get someone, one. Someone get holding one. you holding your hostage, ground. What's happening? Well, the company I do a lot of work with is the importer, so. Ah, right. There you yes, go. I know these things. Full disclosure. <laughs> Full disclosure. <laughs> I'm a <Right>. shill. <laughs> so then I was looking, right, so looking at scope. So we'll start off talking about probably, you're talking a scope which is um, either 3 to 12 or greater, 3 to 15, 3 to 18 mm-hmm. maybe. Um, with tactical, some way of adjusting the turret yeah. accurately yeah. and reasonably fast. So, probably, so tactical turrets. Probably an exposed turret with zero lock, zero stop. Yeah. Of some yeah. Sort, which is pretty At a minimum. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right, so then I did some tracking around on weights and scopes that we've got and used in the past. So I sort of went to um, like the 3 to 18 Meopta Optica 6, which is quite a mm-hmm. big scope, probably doesn't qualify. It's about 850 grams. Um, yeah. Not as heavy as I thought. But then I was going, okay, well, what is a light scope? So then you go to your VX5 3 to 15 scope, 30 mil tube, comes in at 550 grams. So that's getting into a light hunter type thing. Uh, t- uh, with a tactical ability to dial and all that sort of thing. Uh, then the more recent one, which is the Vortex LHT or Light Hunter Tactical 3 to 15, um, they come in at 500 grams. Uh, you've got a Zeiss. I've got a couple of Zeiss here, one mine, one on demo. Yeah. Uh, probably my, my pick to keep the weight down, yeah. and I own this scope, so I've, I've got plenty of experience with it. Is the Zeiss HD5 3 to 15 by 42. Yeah. So it's on the smaller end of what I would want. Yeah. Uh, but its biggest advantage is it's about 520 grams. Yeah. Now, its limitations are it's a 25 millimeter tube, uh, but being that it's Zeiss, it has excellent clarity and draws in plenty of light. Yeah. Uh, regardless. Um, so that- but it's only a two turn turret. Oh, yeah. True. Okay. So, yeah. so then those sort of scopes, so the Vortex LHT and the VX5, they're in that sort of $1,800 range, two grand range. Um, yep, same with HD5. The Meopter is 1500 I think, uh, roughly around there. So then if we go to the range where, you know, you're you're getting on an age, you haven't been on holiday this year, you've bought a new car, you've done the kitchen up. <laughs> so I need to buy an expensive scope. Then you got your... You know, something like your Schmidt and Bender Exos, which is a short scope, three to twenty-one pair. Um, they weigh about nine hundred and twenty-five grams, so getting up to a kilo. So you're sort of getting outside the bounds of what we were talk- talking about. But uh, your Night Force NX eights, so the two and a half to twenty-one and the four to thirty-two, they're eight hundred grams. So yeah, not as heavy as I thought they'd be. Um, and there's something like a, a Carless K five two five I. Which is um, pretty well recognised precision scope. They're about a kilo. They are a kilo. So yeah, and then one that's coming. Yes. If we get into five to twenty-five range, you got the Strike Eagle um, Vortex one. So that's a pretty affordable. What are they? Thirteen, fourteen hundred. Um, they come in about eight hundred and fifty grams. So, which sort of shows you you've got to be back down in that. 500 to 600 grams if you can find a scope that does it. So, so from from everything we're, we're saying and just looking at the, the few numbers I have in front of me, yeah. if, if, if we're wanting to be in the lighter end of scopes, 
you're not going to have a lot of options that give you a reticle of any type. You're going to get duplex reticles. Yeah. Um, now, one option that is semi-tactical that isn't horrendously heavy is the uh, the Zeiss Conquest V4. Um, there's a whole whole series of them in the range of different reticles and the like. Um, I've got in at the moment the 6 to 24 by 50. Now it is, they only come in MOA and they're only second focal plane. But they have a nice MOA reticle, very nice reticle. There's a whole series depending on what you want and what you need. That's 700 grams. Right. So you've got, so coming up from the VX5, what was VX5? 600 grams? 550, yeah. 550, so it's not 150 grams. So it is a fair bit, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're really having a pinch to get your weight down. Yeah. Um, but you've now got a very nice reticle. Uh, you've got quite a lot more adjustment and. Well, I'm not going to say the glass any better. They're both pretty good. Like oh, I, I am partial to Zeiss, um, but 150 grams, uh, and you've you've now got a lot more usability. But also the the scope is a little bit bigger. The turrets poke up a little bit higher, and it's a little bit longer, I believe. So um, disadvantages there in a way, um, but not yeah, not for me anyway. Um, uh, and you but like to see again I could go to the, the HD5 that I have the 3 to 15 and it's only 520 grams so I'm saving just under 200 grams um, and that's kind of the same price really yeah. um, but but you've got those tactical features if you are wanting to do more competition than hunting rather than more hunting than competition yeah and the thing is another one was the SIG Tango 4 4 to 16 say so which I've got on a 22 um, they can mm. be about 700 grams and the first focal plane turret zero stop yeah um probably not the biggest objective lens but um they sort of come in there and also they're quite compact as well size wise so yes they are yeah and that, that that's got the option of mill uh first focal plane second focal plane yep. moa everything so yep. Yep. more options uh, depending uh, if you use new money or old money um another one that can be used is I don't know the weight of it. Do you need to take this call, Mark, or we no, good? Carry on. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's, just, it's just the labour um, people trying to talk to us again. <laughs> anyway, um, Element Nexus, which is uh, – I haven't actually used one. I've been using some of their other models. Now, this isn't a – this is their top-tier model. It's two and a half or just under three grand or something. Um, five to 20 by 50. I don't have – a, I think it's 28 ounces. What's that? In, um, give me one second. I'm just typing in my got thing. It. It's 800 grams. So 800 grams. So that's uh, it's getting up there. Now that's their premium uh, long range hunting scope. Uh, so again, you've got the options of um, uh, first and second vocal playing, yep. middle and MOA. And it's, and it's it's only a 30 mil tube. But So to be honest, for a 30 millimeter tube, it's quite heavy. Um, but it's probably worth looking at. But I ha- I don't have any. I've shot all these other ones. I haven't shot that. Um, now, if, if we're talking, so all the options we've sort of listed off, we've, we've gone from about seven grand down to about two grand or fifteen hundred bucks. But uh, as for sub one thousand dollar offerings, you're starting to get a little bit limited um, if you want all the features. Uh, I'm, I'm going to stick with Element for a second. I've been testing there. Helix model. Um, this is a. They do a four to sixteen. I've literally got the catalog right in front of me, and they do a six to twenty-four. Maybe just a six to twenty-four. 
anyway they, i've got a 624 and um it's got a zero stop which is big time improvement over most one sub one thousand dollar scopes it's now the one i have is moa and second focal plane they now have a first focal plane offering as well if that's your thing um and they retail like 850 bucks so if understandably if you don't want to spend two two and a half grand on a leopold or a zeiss or or whatever or or four grand on a, a night force um there is some options now these things they're not they're not as good as a, a night force like a five thousand dollar night force you know it's 800 dollars scope but they can hold their own they track well the glass is pretty good and the big plus is they've got that zero stop now i have a couple other options that i personally own sub one thousand dollars i have a citron stac 4 to 20 uh, by 50 uh, it has no zero stop so straight away you're at a big disadvantage yeah. and it also has an extremely fine reticle so uh i was hunting reds once with it or a couple of i've shot a few red deer with it but at low light the reticle is hard to use uh, even just using the crosshair so that straight away no good in, in this theory uh, theoretical thing we're talking about uh, the other sub 1000 option i have personally is the, the vortex diamondback tactical yeah uh I, off the my head i don't know the weight it's not particularly big or heavy scope but it's got no zero stop um so again you know what do you do um it's essentially if it's got no zero stop i'm not that interested in um and, and having it on my rifle nowadays. No, we're not Maybe 10 years ago. Looking at, yeah, I guess um, scopes for people on a budget when I was doing the research. Yeah, it's very hard to find anything zero, yeah, that had zero stop in those ranges, yep. sort of thing. Um, it's, yeah. And also, you're often, they're often capped as well, regardless. So even if they're not, you know. Um, blended elevation type thing so yeah now we sort of we, we sort of um, pushed it to the side at the start but you can do some stuff with BDC reticles we won't get too deep into it so but you can get by with a basic BDC if you know what you're doing yeah um, and now that brings your cost down to like $400 yeah. but we, we're not we're not on this isn't like let's build a gun for a thousand dollars podcast this is just a crossover rifle oh, sort of episode no, so not that one <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah like i said so in my pick uh and they're not paying me to say this i have got one of their scopes in for testing but sub one thousand dollars at the moment is the element optics helix um i can't say for that one. uh i'll bring it around okay okay uh, it's good it's, it's good and and if, if you need like um i'll be running it on a 6.5 creedmoor and um let's do it it's doing everything i ask of it now again like i said it's not it's, it's it's not the Delta Striker. It's not an NX8, but it, for its price point, it is excellent. Yeah. And um, I think, so really, what now, what would, okay, so we've gone over options and we've rattled on pretending to, like we know what we're talking about. Mm-hmm. What would, so you've got your uh, your Savage straight pull. What optic that we've discussed would you put on it? All right, I'm going with it. I take a CTR. Oh, yeah, yeah, sorry. Right, um, 6.5 Creed. And then I'm going to mm-hmm. chuck the Vortex uh, LHT 3 to 15 
We didn't touch. We didn't talk about that much. Um, no, we've talked about you it. You and I. It's eighteen hundred bucks. It's got a um, a reticle that's got you know bits and bobs in it, so it's, mm-hmm. it's tactical. Um, and, it, and it's you know, straight away comes right in on the the light scale at five hundred grams. So that's pretty good. Yeah, and that's sounding. So you and I have been talking about this scope for most of the last year. Yeah. Saying we should buy one, and we haven't. We've bought a, a million other things, but we haven't got one. No. Um, so, so someone please send us one. <laughs> of our eight listeners, which never happens. Has happened. So anyway. No, I've, I've got. I've, I guess seen a few things, but I've never been seen anything from Vortex. Um, no, I think maybe I'll write them a nice letter. If I get my um, my shorter barreled rifle set up done at some stage, I think I'll put, be putting one of those on it because I think it does. It takes away a few of the shortfalls of the VX5, just being a duplex. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so that's my scope. Um, obviously, a well, question we haven't asked is uh, suppressors or um, muzzle brakes. So, I'd pretty much default go suppressor on these. Um, I yeah, I agree. I'd probably go with a DBT or a Hardy's or a um, Aimpoint probably, but the Aimpoint's yeah. probably a bit heavier. Yeah, yeah. So I, I, I mostly use aim point and uh, stealth. Yeah. Uh, the stealth, they're lighter. Yeah. And it's I've got this. It's the newer model, the compact forty. So these are made in. One's made in Sweden, the aim sport, and this one's made in within a thousand kilometers of Sweden, Northern Europe. Okay. Uh, I can't remember Norway somewhere. Uh, it's the yeah, it's it's about I think it's a little bit lighter than the DPT muzzle Ford. Right. Um, I, so so I got told by the importer uh, I never weighed it. Um, it's pretty quiet and it's it's, it's uh, it hasn't got a huge diameter and, and not a very big overall length. So yep. Uh, now I have an aim sport for my three hundred PRC that is this is nearly the size of a bloody Coke bottle. It's that big. I'm exaggerating, but it is a large suppressor, albeit it is for magnums. So. The, uh, the smaller um, offering from Stealth is nice, uh, especially when it comes to dragging it uh, in between trees or um, if it is in competition and I'm having to poke it in between barricades. Um, so that, that would be my pick at the moment would be the Stealth um, yep. Compact 40. So what I've done is I've just got one in um, 30 cal and I just run it um, on my 6mm, my 6.5, my 308. Um, just saves me a lot of money. Um, and I have to suppress everything. Um, yeah, so that, that'd be what I'd choose. Now, now we dismiss muzzle brakes pretty quickly. Um, there is a large trend. Uh, it's definitely amongst us guys who shoot together, but uh, uh, maybe in competition too. A large trend. There's a lot of guys Training to running. Wanting to hear? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hearing protection, man. Safety's cool. Um, but, yeah, going back towards suppressors now, we, we trended to muzzle brakes for a few years in uh, field shooting competitions. Uh, and it's, it's thankfully, uh, it's heading back towards suppressors, which is really nice. Um, there is still guys with brakes. Brakes are efficient, for sure. But, um, uh, and, 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 and for hunting guns, I'm almost exclusively using suppressors. Yeah. Um, my 7mm remag, which I recently sold, uh, I kept that with a brake. Um, Purely because I never got around to ordering the, the suppressor I needed. Apologies to anyone in countries that um, don't allow suppressors. 
stupidly. Anyway, I think Australia. Yes, even with all our draconian laws, they haven't gone up to suppressors, which yeah, is uh, which, which is good. Great. Um, oh, they are. They are. From a long-term hearing health perspective, they're just you know a no-brainer. Yeah, um, but and I mean, yeah, they, they they suck away a bit of the recoil and that, and they just make it more pleasant. And especially when it comes back to this, um, actually hunting with them, uh, uh, I don't know what it was like for you over the last trip you did, but when I was down in Wanganui a few weeks back, um, we'd shoot one side of the you know big big ridge we're on and shoot a deer, and then we'd go over the other side, and they, the deer over there were unaware we'd been shooting their friends. Yeah. Um, you know, over the other side of the hill. So it's, yeah, it just makes life easy having that uh, rifle suppressed. No, it does. All right. Um, I'm sort of, yeah, running uh, low on things to talk about for this now, but um, I guess if my option <laughs> two would be a Sarko S20, probably just uh, out of interest. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I would like a Sarko S20. I would. Right. A lot, actually. I'll uh, <clears throat> arrange one for you. Oh, Christmas has already been. Oh, damn. Oh, well, another year to wait. <clears throat> oh, bugger. Um, so I'm going to – we never talked about what I'd put together. Now oh, no, no. We'll carry on. Let's go. Uh, ooh. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, off the shelf then. Off, okay, off the shelf. Uh, maybe a Zeiss. Give me all your tools. You're not allowed to do anything. Just get it off the shelf. <laughs> um, a Zeiss XRC um, 7mm 8 uh, – I'd probably, I'd, I'd either go the Conquest V4 from Zeiss or the HD5 from Zeiss. Yeah. Um, so what was the rifle? You said Zeiss. That's not a rifle. Uh, sorry, no, Sauer uh, XRC, which is the carbon right. thumbhole model. Yep. Um, it, it's quite a neat looking gun. Uh, or or a, a Sauer. Quite a neat looking gun in your wallet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but more realistically, okay. and it right. would be a, a Sauer field shoot, which is... If you're familiar with those, they've got a very yep. cool wooden, um, very, very sexy and odd looking. Uh, probably way too nice to scratch in the bush. But So it'd be one of them, uh, like I said, a name's uh, a, a self-suppressor, a Zeiss optic. And then I'd probably, I don't know what I'd do for a bipod. Maybe one of those new, um, we haven't talked about bipods, but the New Zealand made uh, bad la- backlands. Backlands? Yeah. Have you seen those? They're pretty have, cool. I've um, seen the marketing is popping up on my social media re- regularly. It's so. one of the few things that Facebook hasn't realised that is for guns, so they haven't banned it being marketed oh, on. Okay. Um, yes, they are, and they are, those guys are actually killing it right now. They're selling a lot of those. It's pretty cool. Um, you know I like the Magpul. Yeah, and then that'd probably be it. You know I like the Magpul, Magpul. Wobble, but you find it too wobbly. So anyway, we'll, we'll agree to disagree on that one. <laughs> you like having something to blame your missed shots on. Yeah, well, it worked all right last time. And they're, they're <laughs> we quite, did beat me with it, didn't you? They're quite clean in terms of line snagging lines. I mean, obviously, it's the, the default Harris, which you can find everywhere. So, um, as a bipod, and you can throw one on from any other gun you've got. So, yeah. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Not, the, yeah, some stuff of mine has rails and some stuff is just purely sling point. So, True. Um, a lot of my very expensive bipods I cannot use on um, the other guns. So, true, good point. Um, that's the beauty of that bad, uh, Backlands iPod 2. It has an adapter. Yeah. Um, a titanium adapter. Adapter that goes on your sling tool? Yes? No? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then the, the, the bipod clips to the adapter or something. Uh, yeah. I'm not a fan of the ones where you have to drill big holes or 
dig a cavity to stick it in or anything. So yeah, no, we know you don't like modifying things. But yeah, so that that's what I'll um okay. uh, look at. Maybe getting, maybe we'll see. Uh, but a, a close second, like you said, on the optic would be the vortex. Um, yeah, light hunting tactical. Yeah. Um, again, I haven't used one. I haven't even held one in my hand, but from everything I read and watch about them, they're quite a good choice. All right. And then I'll run through my, if I had uh, money burning a hole in my pocket, I'd go with a Christian Genome's NPR carbon fiber mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. probably uh, a Schmidt & Bender Exos 3 to 21 scope. Yeah. A um, bit heavier, but shorter so that it balance itself out with the rifle weight it'd still be coming under five kilos um basically so that would that would fit in um, but then you're talking about probably 10 grand all up so if you're lucky is that all is, is that, that all? all yeah i know exactly <laughs> so then i'm back to my tika ctr and vortex scope which would probably be a bit over three and a half so, yeah, probably pushing nearly four. Plus, the, mag- suppressed it. Yeah. plus the magazine that comes with it is the same as my other one, so I'd have three, ma- three 10 round mags. But- yes, bigger. Well, yeah, yep. No, I think. Well, I think that's. I think that's covered off most of um, ideas on if someone wants to put one together or or, or what yeah. uh, you and I possibly are going to do in the future. Um, Please send us your feedback. Yeah, send us feedback. Yeah, man. Yeah, well, tell us how stupid we are. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, cool. We've made some glaring emissions, obviously, which we'll be told about. So, <laughs> yeah, um, no, I think that covers off most of it. Um, I think it was a pretty interesting chat, to be honest. Righto, um, we shall cool. See All right, thank you for listening to another episode of the uh, Precision Unloaded podcast with Mark and Graham. Um, We'll try get a couple of these done a month. We're trying to do a bit of a schedule. We'll see how that works. Um, we'll see this is the first time we've actually got it done in a reasonable time after the previous. So. I know. Yeah. Come to um, the 10th ten- one, but have nothing to talk about. Well, I, I am thinking, slowly thinking of some guests. Yes. But also, um, um, do a bit more de- detail on certain scopes would be great. I think just the some in- obscure names that people wouldn't really know. I mean, not obscure, but to me... You know, new stuff not your standard Burris loophole Bushnell yeah something like the so, Delta Striker I'll be interested in talking about that at, at length also okay we'll do episode 7 all going well we'll do we'll go over the Delta Striker and the Veldata and, and the Veldata we'll, we'll, we'll go over both of those just because it's awesomely interesting it is especially if you're into like yeah um, new stuff and two, two kilometers, kilometers. Two maybe we should shoot two kilometers before we talk about it then <laughs> Anyway, anyway, we're rambling on. Um, I think we'll wrap it up there, right? Good night. See ya. All right. See you later, mate.